You are listening to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud, a resource of Church on Bayshore. We typically want every matter of faith in life to have crystal clear answers, but it isn't always that easy. Recorded on the Boggy Bayou of Niceville, Florida, and hosted by James Ross and Justin Wyatt, pastors at Church on Bayshore, this podcast dives into how to help Christians think with a kingdom mentality about topics that sometimes get muddy and bog us down. So let's dive in. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Boggy Talk, Faith Conversations in the Mud. We are thankful that you are joining us for week three of the leading podcast sensation, world-changing resource from Church on Bayshore. And uh, this week, we are in week three of our series, God and Country. I am joined by lead pastor Church on Bayshore, my friend James Ross. And this week, we have the joy, the privilege of having uh, Dean and Sarah joining us uh, from Tallahassee, Florida. Dean is the pastor of City Church in Tallahassee, and uh, you have uh, known James for a little while, and so James reached out to you. So we just want to first say thank you for joining us. Really quickly, just how do you know James? Why don't you just enlighten us a little bit about this guy. Yeah, James is one of my great friends in the ministry. It's great to be with you guys, by the way. And we uh, have just really been in good touch because uh, we sort of started planting at the same time before church planting was really a major thing. You know, but back then you were kind of viewed as either you couldn't make it in a real church or you were rebellious. <laughs> so, so which one were you? No. <laughs> probably both. <laughs> so we've kind of had a, we had that camaraderie out of the gate, you know, and just yeah. sort of like very like minded and just how we view ministry and, and, and just the scriptures. And, and so had a good friendship for a long time. So it's cool to, cool to be on uh, this podcast with you guys. James also comes and preaches at our church a decent amount. A lot of times when I'm gone on a Sunday in the summertime, he'll come over and fill in for me. So I just trust him in our pulpit and our folks love hearing from him. So it's cool to be the other way around and be a guest in, in your world today. So let me just be clear. That's happened more than once. So oh, yeah. invited back. So <laughs> we have back. that's the test. You can invite it back. <laughs> that guy. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> calling in the C team. No, just kidding. Um, so uh, Dean is, in addition to being a pastor and a leader in this community, uh, an all around great guy, has written a book uh, that was published a few years ago uh, called The Unsaved Christian. I'm holding it up right here. Um, and uh, I know in our church, uh, many people, we, we, our leaders have read this and many other people have read this. It's been a great resource uh, just for um, really digging into uh, challenging perceptions, worldviews, uh, assumptions of the gospel, especially as we are here in the South. Uh, and so there's a chapter in this book, uh, called, it's chapter 10, called God Shed His Grace on the Partisans, Politics, and Prosperity. So in this chapter, Dean, you dive in a little bit into uh, what it means, you know, the, the concept of God and country and, and what that means. So I want you just to go ahead and just share a little bit um, why you felt compelled to include a chapter about God and country in a book called The Unsaved Christian. Yeah, well, I I think it's a major tenet of cultural Christianity. And by by unsaved Christian, I mean people who would claim to be Christians, but their reason for believing so or claiming so has nothing to do with what the Bible would present as actually saving faith. Uh, so basically, their their faith is in the fact that they're good people, they're not atheists, 
Um, they, like you said, they believe in God, but is that God actually the God of the Bible? Or is it more of a lowercase g God? And usually that God's very vague, very generic. He's kind of like the force from Star Wars, or he is a kind of a grandpa, grandpa figure in the sky, or a divine Santa Claus, a moral compass, somewhere sort of in that range. Uh, so, or they come from a Christian family, like their, their grandmother was actually like a genuine Christian. So because of that sort of legacy or heritage in the family that still causes them to pray before a meal or all show up on Mother's Day to church, to grandma's church, you know, those type of things that would all claim to be Christians. And by that, they just really mean they're not Jewish, they're not Muslims, they're not atheists, they're not Buddhists, <laughs> therefore they're Christians. And where God and country comes into play is that it's almost as if it's synonymous, their idea of being a Christian with being American. Mm-hmm. They almost see it as one in the same, like as, as in like patriotism is part of what it means to be a Christian. Uh, rather than, okay, how does being a Christian really set the focus for how I view things like the world, my country, patriotism, all those type of things, rather than it being like a lens we see through to those other things, our faith, it's intertwined, mingled, they're kind of one in the same. Uh, so that God, again, is it the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacobs, and Yahweh? I mean, probably, first of all, it's not my, my job to judge that, but the truth is, the God in the scriptures is not the God of a Lee Greenwood song. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying Lee Greenwood doesn't believe in God. I, I, I think he's a believer, but you can be the most marginal, like, I mean, barely have any faith in Jesus at all whatsoever and sing that song to the top of your lungs, right? And, and get tears and, and get chill bumps when you don't even really hold to any doctrines of the faith, but you'll, you'll sing, you know, God bless the USA or at a baseball game, you'll sing God bless America to the top of your lungs. And, and the reality is it's just sort of, and this is going to sound very, un, very non-sophisticated. It's just sort of a thing we do. <laughs> I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's hard to describe uh, even because it's just, it's intertwined into everything else. And we have to figure out how to speak to it because I think it's a discipleship hurdle, not only that, but an evangelism hurdle because people are actually confused about what it really means to believe in God. And they think it basically is the idea of loving your country and being a good person rather than actually the God of the scriptures ultimately revealed in Jesus Christ. In the culture where you are, um, how do you engage people uh, who think they're Christians based on what you just said that, well, I, I believe in God? Well, the issue is we have to help them see that their view of God actually matters. So I think it was Tozer who said the most important thing about you is what comes to your mind when you think about God. Yeah. And that's really true. And the reality is our God is not lowercase g. He's not generic. He's not vague. He's made himself known in the scriptures. And look at Hebrews, it says that he's spoken to us in these ways. You know, he spoke through the law, spoke through the prophets. Now he's spoken to us through his son. So we have to make sure that the God that they believe in, that they understand that it's the God, that they make sure it lines up with the God of the scriptures. I think it all starts there because we're not going to, because human sin's not going to be a big deal if there's a generic God. You know, if God's just sort of a, a, you know, a love pirate in the sky or just kind of your buddy or your imaginary friend or, you know, somebody to take the wheel when something goes wrong, you're just going to be somebody who messes up sometimes, makes mistakes, no big deal. But if God is the God of the scriptures, you're going to realize your sin's a massive deal Mm -hmm. uh, because he's a holy God that won't let sin go unpunished. And that's going to set up for, okay, then what do I do about that? Which will hopefully lead us to point people to Christ and why he came in the first place. But none of that's really going to matter. They're going to like Jesus, but not think they need Jesus or salvation uh, until they have a, the right view of God. And again, I, I want to make sure that, I, that I'm clear that, that I, I don't think I'm the judge of what a right view of God is and what isn't. That is not my job. I do not have that authority, but the Bible does. 
You know, so we want to look to the scriptures for that idea. And in terms of patriotism, that's interesting too, because like, what does that actually even mean? You know, like I, I think where we have to even, and the gospel and our approach to how we follow Jesus doesn't change based on our setting. You know, there's contextualization, but if you weren't in the military, uh, you know, if you never joined the military, how would, I hope your faith wouldn't be different, right? If you, if you moved, if you, if you moved your family to Austria tomorrow and became Austrian citizens uh, over a long haul, however long that process takes over there, I hope that wouldn't affect your, that wouldn't change your faith at all. That's where patriotism is a problem when your Christian faith is so tied to your status as a military member, as your status as an American, whatever it might be, that we have to walk on eggshells around you to talk about how this is not the priority for our lives. Mm-hmm. And that can be really troubling sometimes. It's almost like it's immune. Like you can't say a word about it. Like you're not even allowed to ask a question because it's America and it's patriotism and it's veterans and it's we served. And so my suggestion to that is our posture should be gratefulness as Christians. We should be a grateful people. Yeah. So towards our military, we should be grateful. Uh, towards our military, we should, to our country, we should be grateful for the freedoms we have. Uh, and how we know when we have a problem is if we get more offended by someone making a comment about the problems in America than we do someone using the scriptures wrong. Mm-hmm. And for, for James, for James and myself as senior pastors, we're at a moment where we can get away with saying the wrong thing biblically or theologically before we could get, get away with saying what in someone else's eyes is the wrong thing politically. And we have to speak to that. Like we have to talk about that military town or not. Like you have to talk about that. It's a big crisis for discipleship right now. Yeah. You, you said in the book on page 129, uh, one can simultaneously be grateful for the privilege of living in America and thank God for those who defend our freedom while not missing the fact that our country morally resembles Babylon more than a city on a hill. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, I mean, do you, do you think that <clears throat> that's, probably caused this kind of unhealthy identity is what I would say has caused people to maybe overlook cultural sin. You think? Yeah. I I think that can really be almost like the dividing line of where you are on the God and country scale. Do you see our nation as a type of like old Israel or Mm -hmm. do you see us more as Babylon? And that shouldn't be an offensive question for Christians. We shouldn't be in denial about sin. We shouldn't be in denial about the, excuse me, the, um, and just the, the years of uh, decades and decades and of, of brokenness in our country. And, and it's easy just to point to slavery, but it's not just point to slavery. That's massive, right? We can point to abortion. We can point to Jim Crow, the pornography industry in America, the divorce rate in America. And we're going to like get all defensive and yeah, but, and, and about that, rather than see this lostness, right? Jesus saw the city and had compassion on it, right? We're, we're, we're told he was, he was broken over it and we get defensive over it. And that's where patriotism can be a problem when it blinds us to things. And also there's no nuance a lot anymore. So if you say America's like a Babylon, all of a sudden you hate the troops and you would rather be socialist. And you, it's just like, come on, that's not what we're saying here. We're saying there's deep sin in this nation. That's why we need healthy churches. That's why we need to take discipleship really seriously. But we have more in common with a Christian in a communist country than we do a fellow American who doesn't know Jesus. Mm. And we have to be able to understand that. I, I want to read from a, just real quick from First Peter 2, uh, just one verse. But you were our chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, 
so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. First Peter 2, 9. We have to be willing to teach people what that looks like. Like, how do we, and I think we're still trying to figure it out. Like, what does it look like for us? This is the church he's talking about. What does it look like for us to act? We, we all, God has made his own nation, and that is his people. Like, he has made his own race. This is expressed in different colors and different tribes and tongues and languages. Absolutely. But he has made a people. Mm. So we have to figure out, if we're going to be faithful Christians, what it looks like to first and foremost have that nation, the spiritual, invisible nation that God has made as our first family, as our first allegiance, as our first loyalty, while also being faithful and grateful uh, for the place where we live here and to try to be good citizens and make a difference for God's glory, proclaiming his excellencies, as, you know, as the scriptures say. So mm. man, we, got, we got to figure that kind of stuff out. So when Reagan said, uh, you know, the, a city shining on a hill, you know, he's such a great speaker, you know, and like, like that, that's not about America. <laughs> I mean, that's about the church. Now there's principles, there's yeah. principles that we can have for our country, but it's for believers. Like unbelievers can't claim that verse, Like they can't. Mm-hmm. So those unbelievers were cheering. Now Gorbachev tear down this wall. That's different. Mm-hmm. That's an American thing. Like we can all get excited about that, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like standing in the face of oppression and, you know, yeah, but that, that's, so that, that's where the dividing line kind of comes. Like, okay. Yes. We are about the common good. We're about human flourishing. Tear down that wall. We're not about trying to use pieces of scripture for America and pretend like we're this amazing, awesome place when really our sin is 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 deep, deep, deep here. Mm, yeah. Hope that makes sense. It makes sense. I think you know. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about this idea of of Christians. We're called citizens of the kingdom first. And I think that when we lose that focus, when we lose that conscious, like we, we are called as citizens of the kingdom, what you were just talking about, um, it, it changes the way we see the world and it erodes. And I think that kingdom mentality, uh, I think a lot of times it's, it's a slow erosion from that mentality. And so all of a sudden, like, you know, Paul writes, you know, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And we just, we, it's kind of this slow fade into God and country, if you will. So I want to just ask you, you kind of hit on a couple of these things, but let's just say, okay, I'm, I want to know, am I, am I infected <laughs> with this? You know, if, if, I, if I felt sick, I would go to the doctor. What are my symptoms? So what would you say are the symptoms of, of Christians, uh, falling into this God and God and country cultural Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I would, I would think that you really don't, you really struggle with the thought that someone in a different country, even in a, even in a country that wouldn't be an ally of ours, I guess you could say that's a believer really is more of your family than somebody in your own neighborhood. That's not a believer or even in your own household, that's not a believer, sadly. I, I think that there's a struggle there. We've got to ask why. Uh, I think we have to go to partisan politics. You know, if you really believe that, like, it, it's that, that your, you know, political party is the, is the answer for everything, uh, that your real allegiance is there, that you're spending much more time uh, being discipled by cable news network without even realizing it than you are the scriptures and you are your church. Uh, we have people who will, who will miss small group or miss a Bible study, but they won't miss their nine o'clock spot every night on the couch watching Fox or watching CNN or whatever it might be. Um, it, I would say also check your Facebook feed. Like what, what is it you're passionate about? Like what is it that makes you unglued? Like, like for example, any of us, anyone listening to this, you could post something like your favorite Bible verse and you'll have a few people like it. Somebody will say amen, something along those lines. Post something about politics you're going to be 15 deep in your comment section. 
And it might not even be negative. Everyone might agree with you, but that's what brings it about. Mm. Like that's what brings about the comments, even if it's positive comments. It, it, it's those type of things because really that's where our passions lie. Like those are the things that get us the most excited, the most engaged. Uh, and that's just a problem. I'm not saying we shouldn't care. I think we have a stewardship to care. You mentioned partisan politics. And in the book, you talk about how uh, Christians leaning into partisan politics leads to this us and them mentality. Uh, so how do you see that happening? And what are the consequences for the church when we fall into that mentality? Yeah, I think it's one identifying the wrong enemies, right? right? The, the, the wrong battlefield, where it seems like the, the mission of the church then becomes to get someone to think like us politically or think like us as Americans rather than to put people to Christ. I, I think it's just a mission just really just complete drift isn't even the work. It's like a different mission altogether. So I think that's the biggest thing is what it, what it does there. It identifies the wrong enemies and it gives us the wrong mission. So, I, I mean, do I have strong political views? Of course, absolutely I do. Yeah. And I think I'm right. <laughs> you know, uh, and so. Dean, um, Dean has strong views about where to get coffee, where to, he has strong views about everything. Hey, go all, <laughs> go all in or be out, baby. So, so. But yeah, so, but like, you guys are friends. (laughs) (laughs) My mission is not to get people to vote like me. Do I hope they do? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) You know, but that's not my mission, you know? So, um, and and really also, I think it, it, when we, we have to realize also that these are man-made systems, our, our our political parties are man, doesn't make them bad. just makes them not ultimate. It makes them flawed. Uh, so when we put all our hope into the, and again, and here's what's tricky. No Christian would ever say they love their country more than God. No Christian would ever say that they think partisan politics is the mission of the church. Mm. No, I've never met a Christian who would admit that. We're just so lacking self-awareness mm. on mm. these things about where we are. So that's what makes it really complicated is yeah. that like, like reaching a cultural Christian, for example, these people who think they're Christians, it's really hard to reach someone who thinks they're fine. Yeah, it's a lot easier to have a conversation with an atheist. It's going to be tough, but it's easier because you have a clear starting point. It's unbelief, right? With a Muslim, it's a clear starting point. Maybe what their faith teaches compared to what Christianity teaches. There's your starting point. With someone who thinks they're a Christian, it's like, oh, I'm going to really make you mad because I got to basically deconstruct all you think about your faith that you don't really have. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So, uh, so the same is true with the, what we're talking about is that it's it's extremely complicated because no Christian would ever admit that, like, you know, people think like, you know, politics shouldn't be our God and our allegiance isn't to a donkey or an elephant. It's to the lamb. It's like every Christian would say amen to that. And that's what, that's what makes it problematic is it's hard to have that conversation. Yeah. Hey, Dean, your setting's a little different than ours. You're in Leon County, which is actually prim- primarily Democratic. Oh, yeah. So I'm sure you have to navigate this tension in your church. You know, what do you guys do to kind of help people who have differing and opposing political views kind of work together for the gospel? Oh, yeah, we'll probably be 70% blue on election night, is my guess. Our, our city yeah. government, our city government's very liberal. I mean, some of our city government are like Portland liberal, seriously. Right. I mean, like, yeah, in terms of their views. Um, so that's tricky. So, we're, so you're going to be a faithful church really reaching our community. And you have big colleges here that are extremely liberal, right? So you're, Bruce Biden signs everywhere in Tallahassee. Um, you are going to have a purple congregation. You're going to have some red. You're going to have some blue. And you're going to have people who don't care, too. Okay. 
So and those poor people this time of year, they're like, oh my gosh, can we just get on with it? You know? <laughs> just preach us the Bible, please. You know, like, but what we have to speak to these things. You can't reach a, a city as you want it to be. It's reached as it is. And, and so for me, what that looks like in a very purple church is to helping people see what it is we unite around and why the truth really matters and how the truth is not going to be defined by our political allegiances. It's going to be, you know, defined by Christ, but the natural instinct is to unite around the other things and think that God's on our side with those things. So I always have to just like, it's not something that we avoid. Like it's not something we're just like careful on. We have to address it directly. I'm doing a series uh, from the third week in October till the week after the election called we, the church to play off of we, the people. And it's really going to look at that idea of what does it really actually mean to be a holy nation and not America, like us, like God's nation, spiritual, invisible nation that he has made called the church. Uh, so, uh, so we're going to build a theology around it and really push our folks to think through it. Mm. But the big thing it comes down to is to help people see that it's a problem that our affections are drawn here so often before they're drawn to Christ and do not for a second think it's the same thing. Because the pushback is always, well, it's not that, it's just that my faith informs my politics, which somehow means 100% agreement with every candidate. That, <laughs> like, the, some, somehow, it's like, wow, Jesus is running for office. Who knew, you know, kind of thing. And also, things are going to make us a little uncomfortable. I mean, because I think what I'm seeing is that when we talk about things like, you know, we don't pledge allegiance to the right or the left, you know, donkey lamb or donkey elephant, all that stuff. I think in people's minds, they think we're saying be moderate, mm. like be in the middle. There's nothing moderate about Jesus Christ. Right. Nothing. Okay. That's not what we're saying. We're talking about a completely different ethic altogether that, that is truly not of this world. Mm-hmm. And we've got to move from being not of the world, being like yeah. Christian cliche, to actually people believing that it's scripture, that Jesus actually proclaimed these things about his people mm-hmm. and prayed to the Father about this for his disciples and how we have to figure out what it means to live that way. We've got to teach people how to live that way. And do it ourselves. Yeah, I think that is a great way to put that. I've, I've, you know, personally feel that tension. It's like you, if 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 politics were a spectrum, you know, it's like where does Jesus call me to land on this spectrum? And I think that he he calls us to be called out of that spectrum. You know, left right, he calls us to be above that in the kingdom and to let that inform how we see things. So that's a great way of of putting that. Uh, so there, where you are in ministry. Um, as a pastor, um, how do you address it um, when people come to you uh, and maybe you're sensing there's a little bit more of an agenda or uh, there's an assumption that, hey, you're a pastor, you're a Christian, and I have the, these beliefs. So you probably you have to agree with me because I'm, a, you know, how do you address that? Uh, and how have you handled that push even as a pastor in a in a city where? You know, it's the capital of our state, so it's just yeah. a lot more natural conversations. Yeah, I think that we just challenge people, and we have to now. You know, I'm, and this is not one of those things anymore. We can just go, okay, I hear you, and like we have to really challenge people on this. Not be a jerk, obviously. There are gonna be people who are too shepherd, who are compassionate, but we just gotta really challenge people on it and, and help people to see the, the issues. What, what pastors are experiencing now is we're almost being critiqued for what we're not, rather than what we are. So I've had people leave the church because I'm not woke enough. I don't even know what that means, but I'm not, but I'm not woke enough. And we've had people leave the church because I'm too woke. And I still don't know what that means, but like, so, so that, that's, that's kind of, 
like I'm not God and country enough or I'm, or others think I'm too that. It's, it's really interesting. I mean, I had someone confront me after church one time because I prayed for the president during our prayer time at church. And they thought that was a problem. And they're like, well, did you pray for President Obama? And I was like, yes. <laughs> like, do you want to go back and listen to all the recordings? Yes, I did. <laughs> you know, And I'll pray for the next president. You know, so I tell you, people have lost their minds, like what it's done. And here's another thing, too. A lot of it's sinful. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the absolute just rhetoric being used, the, the full mind occupation that President Trump has in so many people's minds. I almost like obsess over him uh, in terms of hating him. Uh, for how those people were with Hillary Clinton. I mean, it's like, it's, it's sinful. And we have to talk about those things. Now, notice my theme, I keep going back to, we have to talk about these things. We have to talk about these things. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's, it's serious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you challenge uh, in a way where you are speaking truth and love and not being a jerk? <laughs> or coming yeah. across as a jerk, I should say. Yeah, so sometimes there are going to be hard conversations, you know, and it's, and tone matters, but a lot of times that's in the eye of the beholder, you know, so we have to be careful that that doesn't take us captive, you know, that we're not like handcuffed by what are they going to think. I, I think that what I'm, what I'm really seeing is the need to ask this question. What do you mean by that? That's a really important question. So when someone comes and says something like, you know, I think that, you know, we're just, you know, the, the Baptists are just, Southern Baptists are just going to are going too liberal and they're just going they're down, down a bad path. Okay. What do you mean by that? And like, like help me understand, like, like give me some specific things. And also, where did you hear that from? Where did you read that? Oh, from that website. Okay. Well, I just need you to know, I know it's, I know it's really easy to get caught up in stuff and people probably send you links to read that website is basically the equivalent of a far right national inquirer. But like that, that's what that is. Seriously, you know, uh, so, so, so the, the, those kind of conversations. Or what, what do you mean? You know, woke, the whole woke thing. Or what, what do you mean by that? I guess one of those important questions we can ask right now is, is what exactly do you mean by that? And really get terms and definitions onto things. So you can only really walk with people through things that usually they hear second or third hand because somebody sends them, you know, they saw it on Facebook. Someone sends them a link and it gets them worked up about something. And, and that's, and all of a sudden the, the church becomes the bad guy because you didn't talk about this or the, or you did talk about this, you know, one of the two. I think of all the things we've learned in 2020, it's that social media is probably the best way to communicate with people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> right. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I love what you said. Like, what do you mean by that? And having what do you mean by that? conversations, uh, or help me understand that having those conversations with people, uh, face to face where you can, you know, that diffuses a lot when you can look at someone and you're looking in their eyes and you can read their body language. And I think that maybe, maybe that's where we need to go. And in a future podcast is how to communicate in a world that's gone mad. I don't know. Um, but so let's just say uh, someone came to you, Dean and said, Hey, um, how would you, what, what are some guiding principles as a Christian, uh, on how I should vote, not, you know, what party or, you know, but like, what are some things as Christians, as we're voting that should be running through our minds as citizens of the kingdom? I think a few things. One, that God is sovereign. We have to really actually believe that he's not on the edge of his throne, sweating over our vote. I think we think that sometimes he's not. Um, I'm re I, I, I think words matter. So I'm very careful how I say this. I, 
I, I say it more as a just a I, almost like an, an offering of of just thought than a blanket statement. I don't have a Bible verse that says you have to vote. I think you should vote. I think it's good stewardship. Uh, I would know. I, I know that um, my my black friends would that had, had you know grandfathers and great grandfathers who literally were killed you know in the deep south over fighting for you know f- fighting for the right to vote. So I think it's, it's a good stewardship for people that have given a lot for us to be able to vote. But I think we'd be very careful when the church and Christians are the ones like basically doing get out and vote campaigns. I just don't have a Bible verse that says that. I believe in the sufficiency of scripture, so I'm not going to tell you you have to vote as a Christian. I think, I mean, I know that's probably like, again, if that gets you more worked up than anything, you know, the Bible verse for it, you might be God in country. Okay, me saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, I, I offered that. As a, just, just, I think it's important to know that. Like our ultimate duty as Christians is not to vote. I think it's a good thing for Christians to vote. Mm-hmm. But it's not our. I hope you see the nuance there. But it's not. It's, it's not our ultimate duty. Okay, when you're uh, when you're of this world, it's all you have. Mm-hmm. Like your entire hope has to be in the election, right? I mean, it, it, that that is your that that's one of the reasons why we see people who are secular, especially like scream and cry and had support groups on college campuses after Trump won in twenty sixteen. It's all they have. Mm-hmm. If if the candidate that I don't like that I did not vote for wins. You know, I'm going to do the next day. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to get after it and, and do the same thing I was doing before the election, making disciples, right? Mm-hmm. So now are there going to be consequences from elections. Yeah, there always are. Um, but, and, I, and there's things I don't want to see happen personally, um, but that even affect my profession and everything, but, but it's not ultimate. So I think, I think that's, I think that's part of it. Uh, and then after that, I think we have to really go by our conscience, you know, like what, 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 what are, what are issues that really matter to me as a believer, even before my own life? Like in my, because as a Christian, you know, we are supposed to be giving away, right? We're supposed to be like, not, not me, but Christ, not me, but others, you know, kind of that sequence. So, so what, what do I think is, uh, you know, what, what do I think is, is critical for, for people to, to, as a Christian, one, I personally would never vote for a pro-abortion candidate. This is my personal conviction. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to vote for the pro-life candidate either. I'm just saying I never would vote for the pro-abortion candidate. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do on election day because I have some conscience issues with, with character and with, with and I, in the office. I think matters and um, and just think things such as that. Um, but I personally, I'll tell you one thing: I won't be doing. This is just me. It's not city church's opinion. It's just me uh, sitting in my office in my house, <laughs> you know, on, on, a, on a call with you guys. I'm not going to vote for a pro-abortion candidate in any election. You know, I, I wouldn't vote for, you know the treasurer of Tallahassee, if I found out that he was pro-abortion, I wouldn't vote for the Parks and Rec chairman, okay? Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't elect the president of the Elks Club if I knew he was pro-abortion, okay? So do I think there are more issues than just that? Yes, but I don't think you really have any moral ground to stand on if you don't start there. Like, why should I care about issues of life that I don't believe how life begins and don't think that every life matters? Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's that. I also want to listen to... Um, concerns and differences for people that don't look like me, who aren't from the neighborhoods I'm from, of how they think about things as Christians, uh, how they view things, blind spots I might have. Uh, so I want to have this kind of as, as, as well-informed view as possible. But one thing that I will not compromise on for a moment is that I will not vote for a pro-abortion candidate. And I would encourage other Christians to do the same. That's not me saying that you should just vote for that. That's why I said the freedom is there. 
The freedom is there not to vote. I'm not recommending that. But the freedom is there as a Christian, and no one should be given a hard time for that because we don't have a Bible verse that binds us to that. Mm-hmm. And we, that's really what it means to be not of this world. But mm-hmm. I want to be faithful and be a good steward here as much as I can. But what do you do when you feel like you don't have options? Like, yeah. What do you do? Yeah, it's like we're, we, we should not feel at home in our country's current political system or really anytime there's a political system that's not our home as christians so absolutely since this is this this podcast we're doing is about clarity on muddy issues are you drinking crystal clear dr pepper or are you drinking water in a dr pepper uh oh okay starkey yeah Yeah. i've never even heard of that and a key lime Lacroix. oh what? Kind of everything you just said, everything's disqualified now. You're a dude drinking LaCroix. It's dude, all done. If you want to taste like Mountain Dew. LaCroix, I would just put a Tums in a cup of water. <laughs> like, I, I was upset y'all didn't provide Starbucks for me. So, Hey, I just, I just want to, because, you know, not, not everybody knows who you are that is watching this or listening to this. And, um, you know, I, I have I actually met my wife at Ruby Tuesday and I'm pretty sure I met Dean at Ruby Tuesday as well. Uh, there was a church player a lot. So there's a good connection. Your, hand, your hands reached for I, the salad tongs at the same time. I, uh, <laughs> I don't think I've been Ruby Tuesday since. No offense. I, I, I think, I think, I don't think I have either, but I think we, uh, I think we both, uh, we bonded over smirking at bureaucratic convention stuff. <laughs> totally. I was, I was like, Ooh, he rolled his eyes too. I have a friend, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I have known Dean and Dean, Dean's uh, platform has grown over that time. Uh, but Dean is the same dude. And, uh, Dean is, uh, he's a strong leader, but Dean is a compassionate guy. Uh, his staff, if you spend time with the staff and I've had the privilege of doing that several times, they love him. Um, and they're empowered by him. And uh, City Church is a church that not only is, you know, the biggest church in Tallahassee, but uh, serves uh, their community well, uh, all domains of, of the community. And uh, a lot of that is simply not because of some weird strategic plan that we're, we have to pay thousands of dollars for uh, to get a consulting group to come and uh, give us, but it's because they're just trying to live out the kingdom. And so, uh, you know, uh, I just want to say, Dean, uh, how much I respect you and, uh, even though you're just a little bit older than me, uh, look up to you and learn from you. I appreciate your friendship and guidance, and I appreciate you being with us today for sure. I know you got a lot of things on your plate, so thank uh, you, man. Thanks, man. You're, you're a good friend to me. I'm grateful. And this issue we talked about today, uh, I just really is on my heart because I really think it is a huge barrier into, into our discipleship right now and to our mission. And, and we're so sidetracked right now as churches that we just have to figure out how to redirect. And it's going to be hard. And it's going to take time. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I think I've told you this before, but uh, we had a guy at our, in our church, uh, you know, get saved, reading the book, got baptized. Wow. And a big part of his testimony was going through that book with some guys. So uh, it's awesome to that's see that. So awesome, man. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for telling me that, man. That's just, that's just huge. That's why that's, that makes it all worth it. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Indeed. Yeah. Well, cool. Well, uh, Dean, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. I hope that was helpful. Great. appreciate y'all having me on. We want to talk about that. So it, yeah, it really matters. You are in the Tallahassee area. Um, Dean's phone number is. He <laughs> uh, would just love to, uh, uh, but be sure and check out City Church in Tallahassee. Uh, you know, it's just a, a great, as James said, a great church living out the kingdom, and uh, and we're thankful uh, to be partners in ministry uh, with the kingdom. And uh, that's it. We look uh, forward to you joining us next week uh, on Boggy Talk uh, for part four, the exciting conclusion to God and country, where we will neatly wrap up every unresolved issue (laughs) of our country in 30 minutes. 
Thank you for listening to Boggy Talk. Join us next week for week four of God and Country. Hey, and don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a beat.